What's going on, man? Hey, happy, uh, happy, I guess, uh, almost Friday or halfway. Through I mean, the week. it's it's Friday for me, man. I'm done after today, so yeah, you're headed to uh, what, Spain? Yeah, going to Spain, man. Quick trip in and out. Nice, nice. I was gonna say, we uh, <laughs> we we're doing our normal 10 minutes behind. Uh, Alex had a broker call, so, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Matt acting like he couldn't figure out his computer for 20 minutes, like. <laughs> should be uh should be fun today uh, before we get into it we are sponsored by hg ships uh one of the premier agent programs out there um you see their logo on all of our shows in the bottom right um you know great team um yeah but yeah i'm excited for the show today uh christina's you know, shares a wealth of knowledge on linkedin you know several people messaged me um you know and commented that she'd be a, a great guest um and yeah we're really excited to uh have her on yeah, man. I'm excited to get into it. I've seen her company around. She's been uh, helping me try to get some power only freight from them. So if, we, if you're good, let's get into it. Man. All right, let's do it. Hey, Christina. Hey, Christina. Hey. How Hello. are you? Hello. That intro is intense, man. I tell you what, I was like <laughs> sitting here, I had my earbuds in, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, it should put a warning good, for the man. guests before we start. Maybe you take the earphones out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, it looks like you're uh, you're in warm, uh, you know, warm country there. It looks uh, looks nice out the window. Nice flowers, nice plants. I you know love your Thank setup. Thank you. Yeah, this is my little she shed. My husband actually built this for me for as like a painting studio, and I just recently turned into an office. Um, uh, I'm just hanging out out here. <laughs> a she shed. That's right. I've heard that before, but it's still funny every time. Yeah. It's cute though. It's got like an AC unit, and I put my plants in here. I just like to come out here like when i'm feeling a little too stressed you know because i have an 18 month old so yeah oh. this is my little space yeah i grew up with my brother actually um for the first like two years of his life pretty much then i went off to to go work and stuff but uh you know that first two years is uh it's fun i mean it's fun <laughs> to say the least yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess to uh, get started, you know, tell us, I always, I know you have a real interesting story of how you got into freight, um, you know, from us talking, you know, previously and kind of, you know, tell us how you got into logistics. It's one of our, you know, first questions we ask most guests. And I, I think it's a real interesting story with, uh, with your background. Sure. So, I mean, I know you get this a lot on the show and I don't know why this happens to so many of us, but um, I literally just stumbled into it. Uh, but the way that it happened is uh, in 2016, I was a young college grad. I mean, I had this fancy piece of paper with a business management degree on it. And uh, like so many people, I feel like um, left school without really any plans or goals for what I wanted to do. I mean, I had this degree, but I mean, who's going to hire a business manager that's 22 years old and doesn't really have any skills or experience, right? Um, so I, I was extremely lost. Uh, I think I did school completely wrong because I left there with no social networking skills, zero connections. I mean, I was kind of a wild um, college person. So yeah, left there, started interviewing because the bills were knocking on the door. I uh, started interviewing and I just remembered things not panning out for me. So I would go in and for one reason or another, um, it seemed very corporate and I just felt like, okay, so every place I interview, and I mean, there's a lot of established companies here in Chattanooga, um, either had no interest in me or I had no interest in them. So a couple months go by and I'm like, I really need to start widening my search here. So 
being in Freight Alley, of course, the first things that popped up when I was looking, you know, is um, logistics brokerages. And the one that stood out to me the most was Steam. Um, and at the time, they were an only international freight brokerage. And I didn't know what logistics was, didn't know what broker brokers do or what they were. But I do remember like walking in for my interview and being like, whatever this is, whatever this energy is, I want to be a part of this. Like I loved the logo, everybody, it was like an open environment. Everybody was on their phones, you know, like some were angry, but I also was like digging that. Cause I was like, you don't see that in office environments, you know? And it just felt like everyone was building their own little business. And again, no clue what was going on, but I swear, like if they would have asked me to work for free, I probably would have done it. Like I, I felt that much in love with it. And that was like my first brush with logistics. And it's just kind of been a love affair ever since. Like I have not left it, haven't even thought about a different industry, but yeah, that, that was it. How was day one, day one there at steam, you know, just going to the international side, were you like tracking international shipments or a lot of training for that? I mean, that had to be, you know, interesting getting into logistics on the international side. So I, unfortunately, I never got to become a freight broker. I've always wanted to, but I never had the chance to. Um, I left before that, you know, could come into fruition. But um, I probably had the most boring job on the floor, which was training, tracking ocean containers. So the most fun part of my day was um, customs clearance and manual data entry. And I would get that done within like the first hour of my day. Um, And also at the time, I was extremely insecure and I didn't think that freight brokerage was something that was for me. Um, you know, I, there was only one other female that, uh, that was on the brokerage side. She was the only one. And I was like, this girl is a genius. I mean, this is wild. Like I, I could never reach that level. And yeah, so I never really pursued it, but yeah, I just did operations like ocean tracking, very, very boring. But at the same time, I learned a lot just, you know, hanging out with the brokers on the floor and just being part of the hustle and bustle. Yeah, no, definitely. And then from there, you moved on to being a broker. Um, so I remember you're telling me you went to a six person office at the time. It was, yeah. it was just you and, to, you know, build a book and you're coming from yeah. the international experience. And it was kind of like a, you know, sinker, sinker swim uh, experience for you. Oh, yes. So, you know, after I left Steam, I was kind of lost in what, like, what was my next steps? Like, I didn't think I had, um, I had what it took to become a freight broker. But after a few months, I was like, okay, I've got to get back out there. And the one thing I kept coming back to because I was so excited and I wanted to, you know, try it out at least was brokerage. And then I found MaxTrans, which is purely cradle to grave. Um, and I was like, if I was going to learn what being a freight broker is all about, if I was going to try my hand at this, it would need to be with a cradle to grave brokerage. And also what stood out to me with them was like the incentive pay. So obviously the salary wasn't great, but they were offering more than the other brokerages in town when it came to, um, you know, incentive profits. So how how was that day, day one, you just, uh, you know, come in there and they're like, here's, here's your computer, your logins, you know, let's, uh, let's get a, you know, book a business, start cold calling, cold emailing, or how did that, uh, how'd that look like for you? That was pretty much it. They were like, Hey, if you want to go sit with a couple brokers on the floor, see what it's like. I was like, sure. So I just, you know, they were doing their thing, you know, they were prospecting while also booking 
their loads. They were uh, talking to carriers, just multitasking and like at a level that I've never seen before. I mean, cradle to grave, right? So I remember being like, okay, this is a lot. I mean, it's a lot for a new person that's never been in the brokerage world to just kind of take in. And I remember going home that night and I was like, can I do this? Can I really do this? And so I sat with, you know, weeks go by, sat with more people and um, yeah, I just started doing it. I mean, two weeks in, I got my first customer and I still have that customer to this day. Oh, wow. Because that was what, seven years ago, six, seven, eight yeah. years ago? Yeah, I think six and a half years ago. Yeah, yeah, see, how does that go? Because I even, Matt was just telling me a lot of people say, oh, you can go, you know, 90 days without getting your first customer. And then, you know, here you are two weeks. So in. listen, like that was 20, early, early 2018 was when I started with Max Rance. And that, I mean, everybody was so busy doing their own thing that there was really no like structure on, hey, we're going to let you go after 90 days if you're not able to get your own customer. My thing was like, if I'm going to do this, if I want to make money, I'm going to go ahead and like start calling. I'm going to sit with a couple brokers, see what this is about, and then just try my hand at it. If I make mistakes, you know, my director of operations was sitting right next to me and he was always happy to answer questions. Of course, he was extremely busy, but he was always happy um, to help me. And I'm, luckily, I, I learned quickly. So, um, yeah, I just kind of got into it and started cold calling. I mean, I didn't know really what I was doing, to be honest. I made a lot of mistakes <laughs> on the phone. I had no clue. But I do remember, like, that customer, which is with me now. I mean, they, when I got on the phone with them, they were like, so what you got, what you got? And I, and I told them and I was like, well, I, you know, I work for Max Jans and I, I tried to give them this feel and like 15 minutes later, they were like, I'm not the right person. Let me give you this guy. But you know, you seem really passionate about this. So I'll, I'll move you on. Clearly he knew I was very new, but you know, <laughs> it, I, I was able to kind of push through that and show a little bit of my personality. And I think that helped. Yeah, I think we've you've seen time and time again, just, you know, being a human is, you know, like the main main takeaway shippers look for, not just somebody being a robot reading a script. Um, I mean, even yeah, if you're new, you know, as long as you show them you're genuine, like you're a, a genuine human, you know, that, that you're going to do the business the right way. I think that goes a long way. And also your management, like being, you know, like you said, they're always busy. But in a lot of logistics arenas, you know, new people are kind of looked down upon and, you know, questions don't get answered and. I mean, in a lot of dispatch offices, the the management really, really like just says either thing goes, you figure it out or you don't figure it out, you know. So, I think having management yeah. that was there for you and you know was willing to help you out um, that goes a long way. Oh yeah, they're definitely very like people first type deal, which I absolutely love. How, do you remember uh, your conversation or your first load with this uh, with this company? You you know, I know you got passed on from the first guy you know, to the next because I'm glad you brought up you know having a customer you know within two weeks. You know, one of my best customers came within my first couple weeks too, when I didn't yeah. even know what flatbed was on that phone call, <laughs> and it just ended up you know I didn't know it was going to be a good customer at the time. Um, I was yeah. just Alex is probably asking the 90 day thing because he's considering being a broker. I told him I gave him a warning. I was like, a lot of people, it takes months to get 
know, get a customer. Yeah, um, it sure does. Two out of two of you had in the first month. So, I mean, I don't know. Well, <laughs> also you have to think about it. It was a different time. I feel like now the freight brokerage world is absolutely different than it was back when I first started. I mean, there's so many changes, whether it's technology, shippers, I mean, everything. <coughs> So do you remember that uh, first load with that company, you know, what it was or, you know, how, how stressful that was, you know, covering that first load, you know, as a cradle to grave uh, rep for that feeling. So that prospect actually told me no on the phone. Like it was our, it's a giant architectural glass um, company. So I remember getting on the call with the right guy, the decision maker. And he was like, no, you know, we're not, not really looking. I'll take your information. But I think also that time in the market, there were a lot of issues when it came down to capacity. So I kind of stayed on him and I was persistent. And he um, sent me just randomly, like out of the blue that day, like a, a load to quote. And I think it like had to go. Maybe a broker had fallen off or a carrier had the wrong equipment, whatever. But um, yeah, they sent me a quote, uh, a load to quote that day. And I just remember like freaking out. I was like, okay. <laughs> what is this? What does this mean? What do, what is, what do they mean? They need a 53 foot trailer. Like what? <laughs> Straps? So you pulled them out. You just had no idea. Even the equipment, you know, yeah. you're dealing but with. But I'm also the type of person that's not afraid to ask questions. Like if I don't know something, I will annoy the shit out of you until I find my answer. So not the shipper. I was, I was honestly like, didn't know how to deal with that relationship. So I didn't know what kind of questions to ask them. But I remember just coming up to like the director of operations, Joe and being like, listen, this is the situation. I don't want to mess this up. Please, like, what do I need to say to make this right? I want to run this. Like, how do I find a carrier? All of that. And um, after doing that, you know, a month in and getting more quotes and continuing to do it, you, it just kind of becomes natural and becomes part of was your day to day. Like drive-in freight then? Yeah, it was drive-in freight, but it had to be strapped uh, or blocked and braced. Oh, it had to be, but the, did the driver do it or shipper did the block and brace? Shipper. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's literally, that's funny. That's your first load because I was about to say drive-in is the easiest type of stuff to deal with. But then you got literally the absolute hardest part of drive-in, like block and brace. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I Because it's glass so too. Like it's glass. <laughs> So, oh, glass, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on racks, though, right? Glass racks. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. Like, for drive-in, that's about as difficult as you're ever going to find that and maybe ATVs. But uh, block and yeah. brace, we really avoid because if we own the trailer, a lot of the times, the, either they'll leave nails behind the driver has to deal with or they'll make mm -hmm. a hole in our trailer. Nobody's going to pay you ever for that. At one time, we hauled forklifts, and they forgot to block and brace, like, all four blocks of one of the forklifts and it was the front one and it just smashed the front of our trailer so i've like yeah. really avoided block and brace throughout my and life and i learned that because my second customer was a food packaging company and they also did drive-ins but they had to have food grade metal plated wood floors absolutely nothing in the trailer like food grade top-notch new trailers so i went from hey i'm gonna tear your trailer up to got to have the best trailer in the world so yeah two sides of that but that helped me transition because i knew what kind of stuff could potentially go into a drive-in and i knew how to handle both sides it's interesting you had two different you had a glass company then a food grade company i mean 
you know, early on, what was kind of your prospect uh, strategy? Were you hitting a certain area or were you, um, just you know, or just anything at first or how did that kind of, uh, literally, uh, and that's why I post as much sales content as I do, because if I had have, if I had my energy that I had at the time with a little bit of sales knowledge, I could have blown it out of the water, but I didn't. So I literally got on Google shippers, manufacturers, like who ships product. And then I would call the operator being like, listen, you don't know me. I don't know you, but I need to have, I need to get some freight. And you know, I got to have some freight. So who do I need to talk to? Who's your decision maker? Please help me out here. And honestly, surprisingly, like just asking, can you please help me? These, these gatekeepers, which normally would be like, I don't, you know, a lot of them are like, sure, what you got? You know, this is the guy you need to talk to. Call John back tomorrow. He doesn't answer calls on Thursdays. You know, he's getting a lot of calls in, maybe leave him a voicemail. Here's his email. Like, and um, I am also very organized. So I would keep track of that. And then just like two days later, 8 a.m., call John back, you know, and that was really my strategy. I unfortunately, like I said, like if I had a little bit of sales knowledge, if I had, um, you know, just knowing what to say or, or maybe writing myself a little script or just anything that would help, you know, personalizing things. I think a lot of the prospects I spoke to that gave me a chance, it would have panned out like to something great. But again, you know, you live and you learn. And that's why I post the stuff that I post now. It sounds like persistence was big for you though early on. I mean, even without having the knowledge and not coming from a sales background, I mean, you got some customers pretty quickly just by, you know, persistent following up. Yeah. Um, and I think Matt, you had posted about this persistence and, you know, you named like a, a large 3PL that's in the market. That's kind of what they do. They don't personalize it. They clearly have management telling them like make a hundred calls a day and, and go with it. Um, so I could see how that would work. Um, and that's, that's kind of what worked for me at the very beginning. But like I said, I lost out on a lot of opportunities too. But yes, I would say strong follow-up, um, listening profusely definitely helps. Was it, how was it on the carrier side too? Cause I mean, I remember my first, first load, I was like refreshing constantly to see where the, where the carrier was. And the first couple of loads were like, because I came from a sales background, but I had zero operations at all background and like having the, these carriers call on a load and, you know, trying to figure out, you know, where they were at. I remember just being so overwhelmed with that the first couple of times. How was, uh, how was that for, uh, you know, for you? Man, I got yelled at a lot. I got yelled at. I got hung up on. I, a dispatcher called me. He said, if you call my driver one more time, we're literally pulling over on the side of the road. And we're going to drop your load. Like I was like, I didn't know I was supposed to call your driver. You know, I was just trying to figure out where he was at. Um, but yes, I mean, just I was so like paranoid and I wanted the load to go so perfect. And it doesn't happen in this industry because you're dealing with a lot of people from both sides. Right. A lot of different personalities as well. So but I tried to control the situation as much as I could and try to stay proactive without knowing I was staying proactive, but I, I got pretty annoying. So yeah, I mean, my strategy changed. Something people, I got into like a huge argument on LinkedIn, not like me personally, but I made a post that just said, 
Like, hey, instead of calling the guy who's driving 80,000 pounds down the road, maybe you just call me who's sitting at a desk all day and I have access to everything. And like brokers are like, no, like dispatchers, they all of them lie. They only lie to me. The driver tells me the truth. And I'm like, yeah. man, my driver lies to me. So like, what makes you think he's not lying to you? Like, I'll call my driver and I'll have him on GPS and I see he's sitting at a truck stop and I'll call him. I'll be like, hey, man, how are you doing? And I see he's going to be late for something. I ask him, like, what are you doing? He goes, oh, man, I'm driving. I'll be there in like an hour. I see him sitting at a truck stop three hours away. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, man. Thanks. And I hang up and then I just tell the broker. Yeah. Like, so I think there's a misconception where like brokers always think that calling the driver is the best move. Drivers will call me and just say, this broker won't stop calling me. Tell them I'm going to pull over. Like, it's just so yeah, much easier to, to call dispatch. If like, if the dispatch doesn't answer, that was the thing. If I don't answer the phone, I don't answer the email within like five minutes. Like, okay, call the drivers, you know, but. I would always say call the dispatch company, call the carrier company first. It's always better. You know, we're sitting in a chair and we're not doing anything. Like, I'm curious to and hear. And I, I agree is, with that. Oh, sorry. I was just saying, I'm curious to hear your thoughts because I think a lot of that depends on the relationship. I and mean, if you have a good relationship, I'm never calling the driver. But if you're booking a last second load of the carrier you've never used, um, sometimes in my experience, you do get more honest responses from, from the drivers. Um, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting topic, you know? So when I was booking the load, I would have that conversation up front, like, Hey, so, you know, you're a dispatcher, you're working for this company. I would ask, um, what's your relationship like with your driver? I mean, is what's his communication level? Does he want to hear from a broker? Is he good with talking to a broker? Um, I know he's on the road, like, but how do I, as somebody who's taking care of my customer, have visibility on my freight, you know, because in the past, and I would be honest with them, like in the past, you know, a dispatcher told me, Hey, it's all good. I got it. I'll take care of it. Um, don't reach out to the driver, but then I never hear from the dispatcher. Right. And he's never given me that information. So it's like, uh, as a broker, you kind of learn from the situations that have happened to you. And unfortunately those things happen in our industry. Um, so, but yeah, I would just have that conversation up front with the dispatcher when booking the load. Like if I send this to you, uh, what, what's, what's the, what's, it, what's going to happen with this load, you know, <laughs> and see what, and see what their response is. Yeah. Somebody asked me like, um, what's my relationship with the driver? It's all very driver dependent. I mean, I'm lucky that I've, like I've always been a people person. So I come into companies where we had a driver, for example, that was passed around through the entire company, all three offices and never stayed with a dispatcher more than like 10 days. And then I got the guy first day and I was like, you know, like what's, what's up, man? Like, and he was just like a normal guy. Like he, like he was a little angry sometimes. Like if he got stuck somewhere for like two, he'd start screaming. I'd be like, yo, like just let's take it down. And yeah. He'd be like, I'm not sitting here. I'm not this. I go, okay, man, if you want to get the police involved and get arrested for stealing the freight, then you can do what you want. Like, but you should just calm down. I'll get you the tell, you know, that guy stayed with me for like eight months. And then I left the company and I've had that lucky part where I can take drivers and train them You know, over like two, three weeks. They start getting into the rhythm with me and they're normal. But if you asked me sometimes what's my relationship with a certain driver, I'll tell you, like, I hate that driver. Is he a great driver? Yes. Does Perfect. he do a good job? Yes, he does. Is he going to yeah. handle the freight? Yes, he will. 
but do I like the guy? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, hey, that's what I look for. I mean, what I looked for when I was booking loads is like just straight up honesty. Because if you get honesty up front and something happens with that load and they're at the shop for three days, right? Like I, I need to know what's going on so that I can give accurate information. Like shippers are people too. Like you're a decision maker. The, the guy who's paying for the entirety of the, this, this load transaction, right? Like they want to know what's happening and they wanted a clear, honest answer. Like, so as a broker, I always, every load that I would take, like, that's mine. Like I would look at it that that's, that's, I'm taking care of that. So it's my responsibility to make sure I pick the right company to run the load that I like the dispatcher and the dispatcher has some sort of relationship with the driver to where we can get accurate information. That's a, that's a interesting, interesting topic. You know, um, I, I'm curious too, with tracking, I mean, were you having, uh, you know, tracking on some of these loads? I know you mentioned the, the shop incident that brings me back to my yeah, first move that got double brokered and put on the rail and they told me they were yeah. in the shop and then they gave me a fake auto receipt. And that's where I never had, to my knowledge, never had another load railed after that or, or double broker. Cause I changed my whole entire process. Um, yeah, that's great. That, but how did um, you know the receipt was fake? Like, well, cause you Google oh, it. Oh, it's easy to tell. Yeah. yeah. If you go, if you literally, and like, I don't know why these, some of these people don't put more effort into it. Honestly, like if you're going to rail a load and you're making a lot of money off of it, or you plan on not paying the carrier that's actually running it, why don't you not pick, pick the first invoice, but whatever, let's not get into that. Cause I'm sure maybe somebody's on here. That's like, Ooh, I need to figure out a way how to, <laughs> you know, get my double brokering game up. Like, no, I'm not going to get into that, but, um, yeah, it happens. How were, how was, uh, you know, what were kind of some of your strategies with carrier selection and you know, using tracking and you know, just, you know, picking carriers and developing, you know, relationships with carriers. Um, if you want to touch on that. Sure. So, I mean, originally when I first started, I obviously didn't have any career relationships. I didn't know that that was a route, a strategy that I could take. Um, now looking back on it, I mean, that's like the best mindset that I could have gone to. But I mean, at first I remember, you know, just talking a lot to the dispatcher, um, asking a lot of questions, you know, vetting their MC profusely several times throughout the day, make sure nothing popped up that I wasn't aware of. Um, but yeah, no carrier 411 is be amazing. So. I mean, my biggest issue with carrier 411 is um, luckily, thankfully, I've personally never got a freight guard in my life, but um, I was the manager of a company and my, my coworker did get us a freight guard. That's a long story. That's like the driver made a mistake. He made a mistake. Our boss made a mistake. The broker made a mistake and at the in the middle of all that there's just me i'm like okay we got a freight guard now what are we gonna do <clears throat> the freight guard was in the end it was like a billing issue like it was just a short pay billing file on a bond yeah and, and that happens and that happens you know it wasn't like load hostage it wasn't double brokering like but i you thought you were double broker alex yeah, yeah double broker dispatch service i'm all third party like yeah. MCs on my desk so when you call me i'm ready <laughs> But um, long story short, if you tell brokers, hey, can you just read the, the report, please? Like, it's not a crazy report. And like one out of 10 might read it. One out of like, I don't know, maybe two out of 10. 
most people just see 401 freight guard in the past 60 days hang up the phone which like that's kind of brutal as a carrier you know? i think that's lazy i think so too like i mean i, I tell them like right when they give i give them my mc i'm like can you start please reading the freight guard <laughs> before because i know they're gonna hang up immediately so. i think it depends on what it is like I, i've had carriers they have a double brokering three and they want me to read the report and do all this or they have a, a theft like i'm not gonna read those or waste my time no, but i'm like yeah i'm not even gonna you know something like unethical business practices or somebody got met some broker just had a bad day it's always like the one person broker office that writes like you don't see any of the mega brokers really writing freight guards you know because it has to go up yeah. through a whole line of people but i feel like some of these small brokerages they have a carrier 411 account and there's no people it has to go through before writing a freight guard so they just get mad at a carrier write some you know bs report and that, that that's the only yeah. downside. but i i like carrier 411 too i used I do it too. um so in my entire career i have never posted a freight guard report and um i've read a lot of them you know there it helped a ton when i was you know vetting my carriers but um never quite got to that point and the way that my president explained it to me is like the implications that a freight guard report has on a company is you don't you're not aware of that right like it's easy to get frustrated and feel emotional in the moment and say you know what F this carrier, I'm going on this on, on here and writing this lengthy freight guard report and I don't want them to ever run another load again. Like if you come to a situation that a load got stolen, I think that that makes sense, but you talk uh, to your team and you make that decision as a team, like you mentioned. But I do see a lot of brokers that go on there and you can see it's just purely emotional. And it's not fair for the carrier that is wanting to work and wanting to run business and they have great drivers right like it's not fair so. it's like one of those situations where brokers are always quick to say oh you know you can't condemn a whole company because of one brokerage and i think a lot of the time that they don't understand like a freight guard i've worked under multiple freight guard mcs it's disaster like you are literally you've limited yourself now to like 95% of the load boards are not going to use you. You have to really have good contacts within the big brokerages that know you guys have run loads with you guys. They'll ignore that stuff for the most part. Like those CH type of brokers, um, you know, CH Echo Arrive. If you know them, if you've done good business with them and you, you catch a freight guard, they're always cool. They're like, hey, like we know you guys, you know, whatever happened, happened. You guys do good yeah. business. So you kind of survive those first 60 to 90 days off your relationships. But um, I think brokers really, really don't get um, how bad filing a freight guard is for the carrier. Like you said, yeah, right. if, I, if somebody steals freight, if somebody does something that's, you know, insane, of course, you're catching a freight guard. But I mean, when you're just like giving a load back last minute, you know, just some bad dispatcher, a bad driver for one load. And now you're going to just destroy that company over one one right. situation like that. I mean, that's more of a, you just internally do not use that driver or that dispatcher or that, you know, you just put right. them on a, a do not use. Which list. I've done more yeah. than I'd like to, more times yeah, than I'd like to. But like, to. you just put do not use list and you move on with your life, man. Cause that freight guard will literally end like people's exactly. family. Their dad is going to lose his job. Their mom's going to lose their truck driving job, you know, and be out of it like work because you decided to put up a freight guard right? instead of just. No, I mean, exactly. That's what I was saying. Like the implications that that one emotional moment has you don't know the the domino effect that that's gonna have um and it's part of your reputation too i mean do you want to be known as a broker that gets 
emotional and post freight guard reports nah you know i mean it just sucks because brokers will never feel that like you can't do much to a brokerage i mean you can leave some bad google reviews you can put them up on some social media but in like two days that just like disappears you know like a broker will never catch so. something you can ruin a, you can ruin a broker's reputation if you really wanted to uh, I mean, you'd have to really, really try at it, and they'd have to do something pretty insane. But, uh, I mean, there's some brokers that have a bad reputation uh, among among carriers. I, I I would say the only thing that I don't exactly understand, I had some regular carriers that, you know, I used a lot, and they would tell me they call me up be like, I'm never booking another load with X Y Z carrier after they messed up the appointment, lied to me, didn't pay me detention, did this, this, and this, and then like a month later they be telling me they're on a load with this broker again and being like well they had a high paying rate and then it's the same same cycle over and over again so i, I think yeah a lot that of, happens yeah so it's interesting but um you know i think you know keeping track of your emotions you know you know is important and as long as we're getting into that you know into that subject i mean do you remember any times i mean i i, I was guilty to this at the beginning i mean i had some carriers that you know did some things i didn't like and you know, I, I'd never really had a operational job. So I remember at first being really frustrated and, you know, getting into some heated arguments, you know, with carriers. And then after a while learning like, Hey, this probably isn't worth it to be, you know, doing this all the time, but it was, you know, maybe you want to talk about that too, but you know, some of your you know, first times, you know, you know, just dealing with, we're dealing with carriers, you know, being new to the cradle, the grave and new to brokerage, um, you know, can be difficult. So I'll be honest with you. The first time a carrier burned me, I cried. I sat there <laughs> and I just bawled because I could not understand for the life of me, like why they did that. I think that they they picked up my load late and I had to just, figure, you know, it was, it was coming out of, a, uh, I think like Wyoming or something like that. And there weren't a lot of options in the area. Um, and I think this might've been a recovery already that I was losing a lot of money on. And they just weren't communicating to me and they picked it up and I think they delivered it like four and a half days late. And I just could not get in touch with anybody. Like there was no tracking. And a lot of the, a lot of it, I made the mistakes on like by not being proactive and I learned from that situation. But I mean, early in my career, I just, I just don't remember I, like trying to process that emotion and just crying. Yep. I mean, I think it's funny it's because true. I never really thought about it on the flip side. Like, um, I've had a, an issue, I think, last week or the week before where I had, like, this broker who booked the load with me send me a short pay rate con. And then he literally, I, I still to this day have never seen an email or phone call from the booking broker after the short pay rate con was sent. And so now he disappears. I'm like, okay, cool. So then I go to his boss and then his boss tells me, wait a day, I wait a day. Then he disappears. Then accounting disappears and i'm like wow this is kind of wild like five business days everybody's disappeared but i'm just waiting for like a couple hundred bucks you know you guys are like your freight is missing like that's that's i think a lot more like you know i would be a lot more emotional if my entire shipment was missing for five business yeah. days oh yeah well because you're right. you're you don't know the scariest part about it is like you don't know what's going on yeah. you know you don't know if it was stolen like when it, it gets to a point where the dispatcher is MIA, the driver is MIA, he doesn't have a boss or an owner or anybody else that you can talk to. You've tried every number. And when he does respond, it's like one word answers of, you know, it's he's driving, can't, you know, pick up the phone or something like that, which I get. But in those situations, like 
you need to be a little bit more elaborate on what's happening with the shipment. But again, learn from the situation and I will, I don't, I've never put myself in, in that scenario again. How did that go with the customer? Because I think that's a good segue for you know talking about you know being honest you know with customers about you know what happens and communication and you know you remember you know the communication with the customer on that you know Wyoming load? Oh yeah, oh yeah. The second that I felt like the second I got my very first red flag, I called that customer immediately and I was like, "Listen, I don't have a good feeling about this. I think I messed up." Um, I didn't check the care 411 and now I did. And I was like going through and saying all these things. And at the end of the day, they wanted to know two things. Where's my shipment? What time is it going to arrive? That's all you need to try to get, you know, what I get, keep me updated. But just so you know, as a shipper, that's all I need from you right now. So we can go back on the back end after this is delivered and try to figure out what happened and maybe improve have an improvement plan if you want to keep my business but um thank you for telling me get me an eta and where the shipment is so that was basically that particular shipper you know again you're dealing with people so everybody's going to be different um but luckily that they were I don't want to say cool about it because they weren't cool about it, but they were understanding that things happen. Yeah, they, they dealt with it professionally and cool about exactly. it. Exactly. But I mean, that's the, the, the two steps. My first thing was going to say, if you do this job, um, it took me a lot of years to learn this too, but like I just pretty recently, even the past couple of months, I gave up like emotionally, like I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get emotional about this job anymore. Like this is, it's always going to be something that you can't control like happening and you did even if you do everything right something that you can't control like some shipper will screw up some driver will screw up somebody out of your control will, will make a mistake and that's just the, the business we're in so i just kind of stopped being emotional about it and the second thing is like when there's a huge problem like a broker will call and scream at me and i'll tell them like listen this already happened like like the shipper said to you what are we going to do now like what do you want to do now when do you want your freight i can get it here at this time that's all I can offer you. You know, like the problem happened when the freight's delivered, we'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. But the driver already overslept. The driver already did this where we're already behind here. Now what, you know, like, I think that exactly in, in big scenarios like that, the now what is kind of the easiest way to handle it. And then you can backtrack and, you know, figure it out. I think. You yeah. Just... And I don't. Or go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say Alex brings his emotions to LinkedIn now. He might not be emotional on the... Uh, but that's the, the thing. You guys can all read my posts and take it how you want. It's a text-based post. Like, I'm sitting here. This is how I'm, I'm typing it. I'm typing it from a place of being calm. I'm typing it from a place of not... Like, people just read things and interpret them how they want. That's how text works, you know? Like, you can read well, my text. I think, I think I'm can. screaming. I will add that I think you can certainly add a tone to a to to written language i do believe that and i was no. actually going to ask you on here like hey what's your beef with brokers you know i've been a broker for a long time what's the beef here maybe i can kind of help out our reputation because not the the stories and the posts that you make i feel like they d certainly happen and there's a lot of a, a lot of bad brokers because there's a lot of bad people right so but um there's a lot of good people as well and a lot of great brokers that want to focus on partnerships so yeah, i don't know i mean i've said this story to a bunch of different people probably on this show too like my main customers my main people that i work with on like a very daily basis 
like they have told me to not post about them you know don't post the lanes don't post the rates don't post their company don't post anything regarding the business that we handle so that kind of puts me in a place where it's like i mean i use dat mainly for backhauls mainly for positioning and it just leaves me in a place where it's like i deal with a lot more bad than i do good um because all my like very very good relationships with brokers are ones that i'm not allowed to speak about you know for for the time being um my main takeaway from that is i think that they just pay me more based on the service we provide and they don't want anybody knowing <laughs> you know like they're right. missing her her question uh alex here she's not asking if you work with brokers or have good experience she's asking me why my linkedin posts are geared towards bad experiences of brokers and i'm answering it by saying because majority of my good experiences i can't talk about so you don't have to put, you don't have to put the names either i mean i i posted a lot yeah, of Matt like, kept saying stories, this to me. Matt, got into this this argument like what am I supposed to post? Oh, I have an amazing broker I can't name giving me a load I can't talk about, and he's a great guy. Like you know? everybody's gonna be like, yeah, right. Oh yeah, amazing, man. Yeah, good for you. Like you know, like it's not a genuine post, and that's the. And I have started trying to highlight some good things. Um, there is actually two, three brokers I'm waiting to make posts about until the shipments are complete because they've been really cool. Like I had some brokers pay me, you know, extra on Tanu, extra on layovers this week, extra detention, and. I, I do want to make those posts once you know the loads are done and everything's good. So I'm definitely changing my tone. I don't have a beef for brokers. That's the thing. I'm a carrier. I use brokers. I eat from brokers. I need them to survive. They're people. A lot of my broker friends I've like played video games with. And, like we're not. I don't have a beef with brokers. I have a beef with bad business. Whoever does bad business, yeah. I'm gonna talk about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know. Like, that makes sense. Yeah, um, I don't have a vendetta against brokers. I don't go into any conversation with a broker expecting them to do bad work. You know, I, every phone call, I'm nice. I hope for the best. I want them to, to not be lying to me. Like, I don't go out there hoping for negativity. That's not, not, not how I operate. Yeah. And that's funny you bring that up because I just so badly wish that our industry would get on the phone with a carrier or you get on the phone with a broker. We don't hope for respect. Like, that should be... A yeah, set a, standard, a right? Like, okay, I, I'm going to go into this positive because I know that brokers, you know, they have a certain respect for carriers and then carriers have a certain respect for brokers. But in this industry, for whatever reason, it does not go that way. You know, you'll get a lot of negativity more than you do positivity. Um, I wish that could change, but I don't know how it can. Yeah, there's a the broker carrier. I was just talking to Alex about this before the show. The broker they started this broker carrier summit that's in Kansas City in uh, April. I think it's like their. Third I like edition. to go to that. Yeah, I was telling Alex, I was like, he it would be a really good thing for him to come to. I think, and he hasn't been to the U.S. in what 15 years. And so I was telling Alex, maybe we should go in uh, in April. It might be fun. Yeah, he's honestly Matt's kind of talked me into it. I've looked at flights already, and uh, I think we're gonna get that one done. Um, Sweet. Like he said, of all the events to possibly go to, um, that seems to be like, you know, the best one for me to, to attend. And um, I think it'd just be cool to, to go and meet all these people in real life. And people can talk to you. That's the thing. Nobody picks up the phone to call me from LinkedIn. Nobody ever takes the time to send me some DMs. I mean, not nobody, but a vast majority of people with opinions about me just formulate them based on my posts. Never spoken to me, never did business with me. Um, and that's another thing, like my LinkedIn is separate from my, my work. Like 
the the business I provide and the thoughts I have as a human being, as a person that works in trucking. I mean, that's separate things. Like, okay, yeah, I promote my company here and there, but my LinkedIn is mine. That's me. That's who I am as a person. That's what I think. Like when I'm at work, I'm not thinking. I can't tell a broker at work, hey, you guys suck and like you, you're doing a terrible job here and everything about this shipment is wrong. I can't talk. I'm like, you know, I'm at work. Like, I'm not allowed to speak like that. I'm not allowed to tell a broker in the moment, you know, like how I feel like personally because, you know, we're at work. That's not how work works. So. Uh, honestly, I agree with most of that, but I do think you can tell a broker, hey, man, this this hasn't been great for me. Your <laughs> communication skills, your pay. I mean, this is an ideal situation. So, no, I will not be calling back for another load. But in this market, obviously, you in don't want to tarnish really the, that relationship that. because you do have the freight. And that is how you keep the business going. So I get it. I get it. I, I think did tell tone is, tone is I, key too. I mean, you mentioned tone, you know, a couple times, Christina, and I know your posts are you know, real, real positive. And I, I think how you say things sometimes, you know, in carrier broker communications is almost more important than what you say. Yeah, I, I mean, agree with that. For me, it honestly goes down to just like if you don't have a philosophy in life, you, you're not going to stand for much. You know, and for me, it's just bad business, good business. Like you, you know what you're doing is right. You know what you're doing is wrong. Like if you try to short pay a carrier on a layover or detention or something, or, you know, if you're intentionally giving them the wrong information, you know, what you did is not right. Like you should know that deep down. And I think when you put money and yourself and your profit in front of, you know, the carriers and the shippers and stuff, um, like, I think, you know, that deep down. So to me, it's like, I don't want to do business with people that have no no morals. Um, I think in this industry, it's kind of become the Wild West where people are just kind of looking out for themselves. Everybody's just trying to make a dollar. And I think there's um, a lot of room. Not for, everybody, but most. Yeah. Yeah. Not let's, everybody, Alex, let's, let's move on from this and get back to the sales thing because Alex could go on for six hours. On no, this I'm, <laughs> I'm generally interested because I, I do think that there is an aspect that needs to be corrected in our industry and that's broker carrier relationships and a lot of it it's because the broker doesn't want to hear from the carrier side right yeah. they're like, I mean, like look, well yeah, it's buddy. just just a shitty carrier you know who cares i can find another one but if you have that mindset as a broker you're not going to get very far because you need to try to figure out okay so i'm happy with how many trucks this carrier has they're always in the area i have freight and like i have to form this relationship somehow i can't just keep being transactional i can't just and then we never bond over anything you know like that i think that needs to be corrected so i mean i, I am interested yeah i mean it's an interesting topic i just don't think alex alex and i have debated this topic numerous times i'm I don't, sure I'm I, I don't think sure. he's going to change his his mind on certain things like I mean, I mean, Matt just wants to have, have to. people on to, to talk about sales and just ask sales questions. And he doesn't want to get into conversations, you know, that that he doesn't want to take part in. Um, no, I, I think it's an interesting conversation, carrier broker relationships. I, I just think that Alex and I maybe disagree on, you know, the what to post on LinkedIn in terms of, you know, helping those relationships, um, you know, and what, what experiences, you know, help because carrier broker relationships are, are an important topic and something that I think needs to be discussed. Um, it's just Alex and I have had this, had this debate a lot. 
I mean, yeah, move on, man. I mean, you want to direct the show how you want. I mean, just move on. Ask your next question then. I mean, like we, we can go back to it. Yeah. You know about things, but I mean, we'll we'll kind of figure that out later. Um, yeah. As far as it goes, broker care relationships just care about each other. Be people. Right. Like yeah, I tell brokers all the time. Like I'm a person. My driver is a person. You're a person. Like we can all stop fighting with each other and just be people and be like this is where the freight is this is where it's going we'll figure it out um yeah I think people just need to remember that but to go back to quickly mention the post honestly though i i do like the um straightforwardness of your post and in my world i'm thinking that if you're a new broker and you see a carrier that's so vocal about the bad situations that happen my thinking is maybe a broker will read that and say hey i, I don't want to be like this you know i don't want a carrier to be so disappointed in my business practices that they want to make a post about me so maybe you're doing some good when it comes to just being straightforward with it you I know mean, i look at it this way i've said it before okay it might be theatrical in its approach it might you know ruffle some feathers it might not be the correct approach but um i've had messages from people constantly you know like thanks for like sticking up for us drivers thanks for being the carrier that speaks about these things and exactly. i think there's not like if you scroll through linkedin i mean you're not going to find a million carriers talking about carrier things you're going to find a million brokers for the most part and um sure there's some some work to do in the approach but um if i like i okay. always think about it, if i change one broker's opinion on something and get them to treat one carrier better like that i did my job you know it worked exactly it goes back to what i said you know earlier and what someone commented mm -hmm. i think it's more of you know a lot of how you say it too but i, I have no I, I think you guys make some good points there i just don't think like calling out people by name is a productive productive thing on on linkedin i i don't alex said i want to talk about sales and yeah i love talking about sales that's my own i don't think this is a bad topic though it's just it's a real this is a whole nother topic on just linkedin and and branding and and what to say and different strategies and that's the cool thing yeah. everyone's individuals everyone can do you know alex is, can post what he wants christina can post what she wants and i can post what i want and you know i can choose to read or like you know what i want that's the cool thing about being an individuality i think you know personality in that sense but i mean i think it's just obviously i'm on the furthest right side of the spectrum of like obviously being negative about a lot of things but i mean there's also some kind of thing where if you want to be a genuine person you can't always sit on the fence you can't always agree with everything like i think people like all three of us like every person in this world is gonna at one point or another disagree with something you know and i think when you're that's creating, only natural you know creating content almost daily um i feel like you can't just always agree with everything there has to be a time where you know you say this is something i don't agree with this is something i don't want to like see him that's the thing this is our industry this is the industry we all love this is the industry everyone watching loves um i think if we're not part of the solution we're part of the problem if we kind of sit back and watch these things keep happening they're gonna keep happening and if nobody ever takes the stand to say hey like this isn't fair like this shouldn't happen um even if it goes against popular opinion um i mean it's like, if nobody's standing for something then it'll never change you know but let's actually move on from this topic because I, I get depressed thinking about this stuff because I deal with no, it. No, don't get depressed. We'll get we'll we'll do this again and we will talk yeah. strictly about if that because I have my industry, opinions as well. And I would like to see change too. 
It's just yeah. in such a tough spot. The market is so hard for brokers. It's so hard for carriers. Um, obviously, we're not on the shipper side much. It's, we don't. We all need to go to the carrier. Oh, the shipper's broker taking back right now. Summit, you guys. We can <laughs> the carrier brokerage summit. That's why I guess that uh, that exists. I mean, Alex and I run a show together, and this is episode twenty-three, and you even see Alex and I get irritated at each other. So, I guess that yeah. shows, uh, you know, shows yeah. that there is an importance for that, uh, you know, for that conference. But it's just funny because we can all agree, I think, that this industry at its root, like when you just step back and think about what we all do every day, it's like very simple. Like if nobody lies to anybody, it's it's actually like a very straightforward business. Um, like here's this load, pick it up, deliver it. Like, I mean, it's... Yeah, it could be. It, I In the ideal perfect world, yes, it's straightforward. Um, and that's why I think there's so many brokers out there. There's so many carriers. It's straightforward, but in order to be successful and have a long-term lasting um, career in the industry, then there's some things to tweak for sure and, and you know, strategies to employ. I want to get into what you do now because we were talking about our LinkedIn. I was trying to get some freight from you when nobody was answering the phones. Um, like, what do you do? What's your day look like at this point? So, uh, actually, that you you both have caught me at like a very interesting time in my career. So end of December, I went into my president's office and I was like, listen, you know, I, ever since I had my daughter, I have been trying to juggle being full-time mama, full-time work life, like prospecting, trying to figure out where I was going in my career in the, you know, in the company. And I said, listen, I've got to take a step back. And I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. Um, and my president was like, hey, would you want to go home and just take care of your core book of business? And you know, some of those customers include when I first started as a broker, I'm not planned on it. My plan was just like, hey, I'm gonna transition my customers to the company. And um, since they already have account managers on them and you know, maybe find a different business development rep, to take care of them. But uh, like I said, I was fortunate enough to be able to go home. And so now what I'm doing is taking care of my very core book of business. Um, and if I have time and if I see that it's a good fit for the company, like if I have time to prospect or whatnot, then I, you know, take that route. But right now I am full-time mama and trying to figure out my next steps in my career. And how has that been with training? I mean, you said you've, uh, you know, there's a number of people, you know, commented that you've you know, helped them in your career. And now you're you know, training some brokers to move your freight. I mean, do you, you want to touch on kind of, you know, some of, you know, your training, you know, your training methods and kind of you know, how that's been in that role? Sure. So I've trained a lot of brokers in my life, um, you know, just because it's such a scary moment to get off the phone with the prospect or and they're like okay i want to give you a shot right like and you put all this effort into converting that prospect into a customer but now you're having to entrust another person that has their own set of beliefs has their own set of ways of doing things to take care of that customer how you would take care of them um so at the end of the day like the customer is buying from me and now i have to sell them on the company and the account manager so i just you know I, I get into it in a way that like, Hey, show me your abilities. Like, what do you know? What do you not know? What do you know about this company? Do as much research, research as you can. And then I kind of test the waters. And if it's a great fit, then I leave that customer with them, you know, the operation side. If it's not, I'll move on. 
does that answer your question that's tough like i would feel like (laughs) you're selling yourself to somebody but you already know you're not you're actually like i don't know if i could put my name on so many people you know obviously if you're part of the company if you know the people like i i tell it to people all the time that ask me for stuff through linkedin i'll tell them like i know people but they're not people i'm willing to to say that i know and give you know i'm not putting my name on that yeah it's tough it's definitely tough and i've tried to navigate those waters and it's been so tough actually that that is one of the reasons that you know i've kind of wanted to take a step back and see okay is this what i wanted to do and the president is very well aware of that and um you know i just is this something i wanted to continue to do or do i want to jump back into the brokerage world because i loved that part and honestly i was really good at it um but i i kind of started getting a little a lot more passion for the sales side i think and being a cradle to grave model this this new hey we're just gonna have a person bring on business changes that dynamic right so it it was hard to navigate at first and now it's difficult to navigate as well but i'm comfortable with my core book of business you know they have the right people on them and um yeah just seeing what the future holds type deal Yeah, that's my biggest issue that I'm having um, with this thought to go to brokerage is like, I love what I do. Like, I can see your passion, you know, when you used to be a broker, I can just see your face light up for that second you're talking about going back to it. And that's my biggest, you know, frustration um, in thinking about things is like, I, I love my drivers. I love my company. I love yeah. trying to find good loads. I love negotiating and getting more than, you know, one of my friends will call for a load. They'll say, oh, they got to a thousand. I can call back. I'll get that extra 11, 12. It just feels so good. Like, like I enjoy what I do for a yeah. little It was so difficult for me to leave my carrier partners in another broker's hands. It was so hard because I had, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, Vivian likes to be called on Thursday. <laughs> you know, she's got two kids and, you know, make sure you tell leave her them the mom today. list of how to talk to them. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like whether they do that or not, I, that's completely out of my control. And I have never been a micromanager. So I'm not going to breathe somebody's down somebody's neck and say, hey, this is how you have to treat this carrier. But I will, you know, get into that conversation of um, these are partnerships I made and now I'm trusting you. It's hard, but um, also it was interesting to try because I got to develop the sales side of my career. So I'm, you know, no regrets, obviously, but yeah. It's kind of interesting, the naming too. I was thinking this whole time, like I would say you're still, you're still a broker. You're just doing the the sales side. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear like the, the terminology of, of different companies. Cause you know, I was a cradle to yeah. grave, cradle to grave rep too, but a lot of the sales only, you know, reps, they would still say they're, they're brokers. Um, so it's, it's cool to hear the different terminology, you know, people use that word. I mean, at heart, I'm a broker. I mean, that's just kind of where I was most passionate. And it's like when I had the most energy, even those volatile days and everything goes wrong. I think those moments of like the good things that happen in the brokerage world and plus it's very lucrative as well. So I think that, um, yeah, hard. I'm a broker, but it was fun to develop the sales side. I think and I mean, fun. Alex, if you want to get into it, I definitely think you should at least give it a try. It's not like you wouldn't necessarily be able to work with your drivers. I mean, there's a different there's different <laughs> ways 
to make a brokerage relationship work, right? I mean, my sales pitch, I was talking to a bunch of people about this. If I ever decide to actually jump into brokerage, my whole pitch was going to be like, I'm a carrier. I know seven different carriers I work with. They have a combined 4,000 trucks. Every load I sell, I'll sell it to a truck I used to dispatch. Like, that's going to be like my Honestly, honestly, I think that would go a really long way. Yeah. Because I mean, I do have those relationships. I really do. And I will sell my freight to the people I actually do know. I mean, between those bunch exactly. of companies. You know, I'll play devil's advocate with you, though, because, I mean, I think a lot of people pitch pitch capacity, pitch, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have, pitch I have, capacity. I'd be I have trucks that I know my capacity. This, you know. Yes, they pitch it, but do they have it? Nine out of ten times. But that's not even they're, it. I'm they're not throwing saying, loads on the load board. I'm you know? not pitching capacity. I'm pitching that, like, I used to be a carrier, and I use carriers I used to work at. Like that's like pitching a relationship with my carriers, you know. That's like a difference. I'm not just saying, hey, I have four thousand trucks from DAT. You know, that's not what it is. Like, uh, maybe it'll maybe it'll work. I, I I don't know. You don't you don't know until you try. I think it'll be fun for you to be on the on the <laughs> on the receiving line. end of uh, some I, I of these carriers. <laughs> yes. I think exactly. you'll change your I think opinion. you have to see the other side. Yeah, exactly. I exactly. mean, I spent like a couple of months in the offices because I worked in a company that had brokerage division. I spent, you know, some time around them. All my friends are brokers. And I talk to them. I see the issues. I've been in the office, you know, when the guy takes the rate gun and then he disappears for an hour and then they have to like cancel the loan. Like I've seen it. I think people don't like they think I've never seen what a broker does. I've never been in a brokerage office. Um I mean, I have to the extent that you guys have. Of course not. Have I done it with my own hands? Of course not. Have I been burned by a carrier? Of course not. But um, I think, you know, everyone can benefit from seeing the other person's side of things. Um, that's for sure. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, that's just in life. That's just like with anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah, definitely. A lot of us like forget that we're dealing with human beings who are on the other side and we're trying to get defensive, you know, and. And, and try to explain our side, but we've never been in their shoes. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think like if you're a truck driver, like I think that's one thing I treat them. Obviously, I love my drivers, but like I've never slept in a semi truck for seven days, 15 days, 30. Like you, you, I can't wrap my head around, you know, how they do that job. That, that I can't one. either. I have such a respect for it, though, because Same. I can't even I, I mean, I complain two hours in. On a car, car ride drive. going to Florida from Chattanooga. <laughs> yes, same. So when I see like you know a truck driver and on the road, I'm like, man, these these people like they are heroes, like to me. And I'm just not saying that just to say that. I'm like, just I legitimately think that because if I am if I am this com- you know complaining about being in the car for this, I just it's amazing. And like a lot of the times they'll get up super super early, you know, like three four o'clock to pick up you know, to be the first at the warehouse, it's first come, first serve. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, but they, they can like have have them. sleep for the most part. Like they can fix their sleep schedule, like load the, I've never seen people be able to like adapt to that. Like one day he sleeps at 2 PM after he's loaded and then he drives through the night. And then the next day he unloads at 8 AM and then he drives all day and then he sleeps at 8 PM. And I just don't understand, you know, yeah, like how they no. get through all that. No, and then when I hear brokers like, man, this driver called me at five o'clock this morning, and I'm like, he needs something from you. Like, get your ass up, answer the phone. He's asking for something. He's trying to figure out a pickup number that you left out of the rate confirmation. Yeah. 
But I mean, that's one benefit I have of not being in local time is like when they message me at four or five in the morning, it's like 10 a.m. Like I'm just chilling, like watching some TV, yeah. having breakfast. So I mean, there is a benefit nice. to that. But um, I mean, Matt, what, what's left? I mean, I feel like, you know, we've kind of. Well, I want to touch on the Chattanooga. Chattanooga. How is it living in Chattanooga? It's like a mecca for freight and trucking companies. I mean, is there a lot of. Uh, you know, hangout events between brokerages or we got to meet a lot of you know people from you know LinkedIn and Chattanooga go to F3. I mean how's just the whole environment of being in you know a big uh, big freight city. So I'm sure that that we have a ton of events. You know Freight Waves is here too and they host um, a ton of events. I just I have just now started developing my network. Like I have just started posting within the last like two months and trying to connect with people and kind of grow my social networking skills. But you know, I, I am an introvert and so social events don't necessarily light me up. So I like, um, I'm going to try my best to, to attend some of these and yes, Chattanooga is awesome. Thank you, Sarah. I, I love Chattanooga too. I actually live on a mountain and you can kind of, I was telling Alex earlier, you can kind of oversee like the clouds going over the mountains. It's super cool. We have so many like hiking trails and just all kinds of different personalities and people. It, it's neat. I love living here. That's wild to me. You keep saying you're an introvert. You've never done a podcast. You're on here. Me and you talked, you know, we, we both. I've never done a podcast. So, no. Like you, you're just a very personable person. I would never guess to me that you're not well, I'm like, in sales. Super comfortable in these settings. Um, yeah. Thank you. I, yeah, I wouldn't guess you're an introvert introvert either. I mean, I, I I think it shows your your personality. I mean, you have a very upbeat, energetic personality, which I think is you know Thank important you. important I for uh, sales. Not I never all the time. But yeah. I never would have guessed you're an introvert introvert either. Um, but you know, I guess maybe just and Alex, I know thinks I sometimes talk about sales too much on the podcast, but I do also know there's a lot of women that are, you know, watching this that are in sales that, you know, are trying to, you know, trying to grow. I mean, what are some things that you've kind of, you know, learned throughout your years of brokerages or what would be some main pieces of advice you would you know, give to, you know, not only women, but just, you know, new freight brokers in general from, you know, the sales sales side of things. Yeah. So real quick, I'm going to answer Sarah's. Um, she popped up a comment and was like, hey, there's an event happening. So yes, that's pretty cool. Uh, we'll have to connect after this podcast, Sarah, and I'm going to try to try to go to that. Why not? You know? Sorry. Uh, no, no worries. It froze for a second. Uh, go ahead. Can you like rephrase your question one more time? <laughs> yeah, no, I was saying just My from like what, thought went somewhere else. No, no worries. That can happen when the comments uh, comments come up. Um, yeah, no, I was just saying though, know, what would be some because I, I know there's a lot of you know women who are new to sales watching this and just you know new sales reps in general. Um, you know, and you post a lot of content. You know, for that, I mean, what would be some you know a couple you know words of advice or you know lessons you would give to somebody you know in their first a year of being a broker <laughs> learn to problem solve that's like my first you know if you if you don't have that skill yet do your best to, to tr learn how to do that um are you saying in sales or in brokerage because on the brokerage side learn how to problem solve but in sales it's something else yeah i mean i would say both you could uh you could go either uh either way on that question yeah so brokerage side problem solve um and then on the sales side 
I would say learn, like, not necessarily psychology, but learn how to talk with people, learn how to communicate, um, understand that you are sure you're in the logistics industry, you're in the service industry, tech, whatever. But at the end of the day, you're in the people industry and you have to, it's a, it's a change in mindset. And I think as soon as you understand that that's the industry you're in, you're solely in the people industry, things kind of change um, for you, but it all starts in the mindset. So as long as you have a clear vision of, you know, what type of broker you want to be, you know, what you're selling, if, you know, truly understand exactly what your company does, their vision, their mission, don't go into it you know, just blind because you are going to miss out on so many opportunities that could have really happened into some, like that could have really been very profitable. You know, those, those prospects that hang up on you, that could be, um, that could have been an opportunity that you missed out on. Because for my case, that, that happened to me so many times, like I had the energy to get on the phone, which a lot of brokers lack, but I didn't have the knowledge and I so badly wish that I did. Yeah. No, I think that's, you, you said it well. I mean, I don't know who this is. Um, this era, obviously, that that's you know good advice. Um, I'm not sure who this person is commenting this, but this made me laugh. Like just some driver slept better in his truck. That's Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like hauling reefer changes. Ha- I don't you know why it doesn't show their name. Cycle daily. How do yeah, you change yeah. your sleep cycle daily? Uh, that's what I was saying though. Drivers are wild, man. Like they can adjust. You Different know, like. Breed. They can just adjust their sleep whenever they need to, which is pretty cool. Like, but like you said, I, I like what you said. Stuck out to me like really, really well. Like we're in the people business. I think people really, really don't understand that, and they kind of see it as you know something else. But it's a people business. The the people you get afraid from, they're people. The drivers you're doing, they're, they're we're all just in the relationship business. Like, absolutely. And I mean, if you have a hard time seeing somebody else's perspective. I would really try to go out there and maybe change that mindset. Like if you are very stuck in your own world and you can't fathom the idea of like that people make mistakes and um, you know, if you can't ask the right questions, you might struggle to be honest, you know, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, no, I would, uh, I would agree with that. Um, Cause I mean, it's just not no day in logistics is going to be, you know, gonna be the same. Um, you're gonna mess up. I mean, you're gonna I mean, mess I up just watched, a lot. I just um, watched the Snoop Dogg movie. Um, I'm sure somebody in football said this before he did in this movie, but he was saying in football you need to have a short memory. You know, you mess you mess up a play, you move on. And I thought about that for our job. Like, you make the mistake, somebody makes a mistake, you just gotta forget about it fast because yep. like things are gonna keep happening. And the more you dwell on them, I think that's when we start to get into those dark places. You know. Yeah. And I mean, think about it this way. You have a horrible situation happening, but you have three more loads to cover, right? So one of your carriers is is being shit, excuse my language. But then the next carrier, you post your load or you're trying to look for the next um, you know, load to get covered and a carrier calls in and you take out that energy from that bad situation onto this carrier, right? And it's just, it becomes a cycle and yeah. you you know, they're calling to try to help you solve your problem. And here you are taking out your your inner feelings on somebody else and um it takes a lot to be able to kind of not necessarily close down and not necessarily become unemotional because we're emotional beings 
it's more so of um, how to control it honestly i feel control like. it yeah manifest it in a different way these are all easy know? topics to talk about but i mean this takes years of being here to kind oh, of absolutely be able like it's easy to say all of these things but like it took me years to get to where i am oh i would cry mentally. i would cry on the phones i mean i would answer the phone and crying and the and the dispatcher was like are you okay what <laughs> Like I'm just calling in the load and I'm like, you don't understand. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of mistakes and, and a lot of things, but, and that's part of my reason of like hopping on LinkedIn and just connecting with the newer people in the industry. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of changes. I feel like this year where there's going to be a lot of layoffs and all these people are looking for new brokerages or, you know, I would just hate for good people to leave the industry because it just, you know, so if there's anything that I can do to help, I mean, if you're watching this, please reach out. I'm happy to help. I mean, I'm glad you got on LinkedIn, honestly, like for whatever anybody's opinions are about me, I've met some amazing people there that I would like call friends of mine. And I mean, it's just a place where if you enjoy talking about our industry, you, you have a great community there. We have people from every walk of this industry drivers brokers drage everything anything exactly you can think of, you know? and that's really yeah. a place where you know you can post what you think and people will, like talk to you and tell you what they think and i think it really takes um you know it makes you a better better person better at work um, having all of this this conversations with people so i think it's a tool it's definitely a tool and uh it definitely helps helps you see things from other people's shoes absolutely no, i would i would definitely uh i mean anything else you want to add i have some huge my, my shop is on fire they canceled my load that i worked all morning on oh no no yeah i know that's i know you're uh, it's been water. really nice talking. you've been really cool like you you got into the pre-show with me we we hit it off right away you've been a really cool person um like you said you helped absolutely. me out on then you didn't have to do that you know after hours giving me some numbers and, you know I just appreciate your time for sure. There's no after hours in my world. It's just <laughs> keeps on going. Um, it was nice to connect with you too. And we'll definitely connect again after the podcast for sure. Yeah, I plan on staying on. in touch. Yeah. Hey, we had a, it was a good, uh, good time. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to uh, have hopefully y'all will have to, maybe one day we can meet like in real life. If y'all ever decide to, to do this type of thing, you know, maybe in a Matt studio making, or something. I you never know. A joke. Um, or if I go to this carrier summit thing, I was telling them, hey, I'll bring my laptop and I'll dispatch my truck to pick us up in Kansas City and bring us back to Chicago. And I was laughing at, about that, but maybe we'll get them to dispatch. You know, we'll drive to Chattanooga. And, you know, it's anything. Do about. it, yeah. That sounds fun. <laughs> Uh, yeah, cool. So who knows? It might be, uh, it might be, it might be good for Alex and I to go to the uh, Carrier Broker Summit. I think we we could uh, could be. Let's do it. Be. I might join you. I, my one of my goals for the year is like I have got to get out there. I can't just hide away from the world and read my books. Like I've got to, <laughs> you know. But you're such a good go. person. You gotta come. Honestly, if you go, I'll go. Like I'll, I'll make you that deal right now. If you if you say you're gonna go and you're actually gonna go, I'll book my ticket. I'll actually go. Like, okay. That, so when is way. it and where is it? It's uh, in it's April. April. And in uh, Kansas City, we should get we should get the guy on who's running that. What's we should, what's, yeah. his what's his name? Um, Dan, I think, or I, I I gotta look 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 him up. But yeah, I think it's we'll April. We'll talk 20th. about it. If you go, I'll definitely go. Maybe we'll all see Wait. each other there. Um, that'll, that'll be, be awesome. Place, you know? uh, that'll be a good LinkedIn story, a positive one. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got an event though in uh, Chattanooga next week with uh, with 
Sarah was saying there's something at the Chamber of Commerce. You guys laughed. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this yeah, is I'll a good place to go to that. Man. You got to treat everyone how you want to be treated. Exactly, Brianna. I, I love her. <laughs> she's so like, she's also a very positive person, but she, um, I think she's newer to the industry. Yeah, yeah. Brianna's, uh, Brianna's great. Um, well, uh, thanks again. Oh. Matter of fact, I'm out. <laughs> well, I'll Thanks do it. Again. Thank you for your time. Thank yeah, you for coming on here. I hope I'll see you, you know, in person soon. And, oh, we um, will. We'll keep in touch, anyways. But I appreciate right, your cool. time. Yeah, thank you. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye. Well, I guess I will uh, finish the show solo. Uh, Matt, we'll just be there as a loading screen. Um, thank you again, you know, to our guest, um, Christina. Thank you to HD Ships for sponsoring us. And um, I'm going to be off for the next couple of days. So podcast will return uh, mid next week with um, a guest from the European side of brokerage. The European transport section is our next guest on Wednesday. And um, other than that, have a good rest of your day, everybody. <laughs>